Welcome listeners, we've got an incredibly special episode for you today where the gang all go to Canada. Isn't that right, Evan? Yeah, that's that's where I am. Whoa, you sound a little weird. Is there something up with your voice right now? No, this is my regular voice. I'm pretty sure Canadians don't talk like that. I just watched a whole episode. I'm Canadian, so how, what do you, I don't understand. I, I mean, I assume you're French adjacent then because you're Canadian. Why are you speaking with an American accent, Evan? I don't This is a Canadian accent. I just watched an episode that clearly established Canadian accents okay, or like listen, French accents, except more broad. I'm going to say a few words that are different in, in Canadian English than in American English. Okay, lay it on me. Um, theater. Theater. Was that American English or Canadian English? Like a movie that's Canadian. A movie, movie theater. theater. What would we say? Yeah. Oh, and here in America, we'd say the cinema. No, no, no. You're not... Li- movie theater. It's completely Mo- different. Movie theater. Wait, say... Do a side-by-side for me. Canadian. Canadian versus American. So, an American would say movie theater. Mm-hmm. And in Canada, we would say movie theater. Movie theater. Because you guys are, like, really into movies, so you always throw that emphasis on movie movie theater. No, like, okay, so, um, here, you guys would have, like, oh, maybe, like, a shopping center. Mm-hmm. And then here in Canada... We would also, we would go to, when we need to get, like, we need to buy things, we would go to a shopping center. Oh, okay. You know, it took me a second to hear, like, the the lilt and the cadence between them. But they are, like, very distinct languages. And that's what yeah. we've got for you listeners. We've got a Canadian co-host and an American co-host. You kind of get this swirl of flavors. Yeah. And it's perfect for an episode of Scooby-Doo where Americans go to Canada and get to visit that classic, basically, France location. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty accurate. This to me felt like we were in the uh, like uh, middle of like uh, the American woods, but with uh, with French people dressed up as lumberjacks. I mean, I think they were just they were in just Quebec. in Quebec. Was that is is this accurate? What we see here? Pretty fair. I have not. Okay, whenever I go to Quebec, I go to Montreal, which is like the big city, as it were. So I don't have a lot of experience with like woodsier. Quebecois. Woodsy. Oh, Quebecois. Mm. We definitely, we just call it Quebec here in America. So that's definitely a distinction in terms of how we pronounce it. Also, when I was saying those words, you, you couldn't hear it, mm. but mm. it's, we do the, we switch the R and the E in some words. Okay. I didn't know that. Um, by, by the way, maybe we should say it. We're the Scooby Dudes. That's, uh, that's part of our identity here. Half Canadian, half American. Yeah, le le Scooby Dude. Yeah, uh, mm. I would say in la Fran- in la le le français in the French. Yeah, and the Scooby Dudes is how how I think the American traditional pronunciation like, which is. Which Americans are these? Uh, the Scooby Dudes. <laughs> no. American. Okay, you you can hear yourself. You know that doesn't sound like an American. Uh, I think Americans are dumb. That's the also the angle I'm taking. Canadians, French, Americans, dumb. I'm laying out my bits for the episode early so I know just how to play things. I want to do so many more. Okay, we're going to do accents more later. Okay, so what we're doing is we're doing an episode. We, we're we going to have plenty of opportunities. Beast is awake. In Bottomless Lake, which is classic Scooby-Doo classic title because it's very clunky and it's not exactly describing what happens in here. It's the very final episode of Scooby-Doo Where Are You? The last episode before Scrappy is introduced. This is Season 3, Episode 16. Um, If I can give just a brief synopsis of this episode, lay out the premise for our listeners. Uh, The gang is gearing up for a fish... No, I'm kidding. The gang is gearing up for a fishing trip to the Boreal Northwoods of Canada, but are sidetracked and instead end up at the Bottomless Lake, where a beastly fish monster is scaring locals' butts off making the locals bottomless. For this final episode of Where Are You, there's plenty of gags, no shortage of secondary characters, and we see what a certain someone is willing to do for a Klondike bar. Wow. Wow. Okay. That, that Pretty... Klondike bar thing really wrapped it up quite well. Um... But, but your favorite part was the locals being bottomless. Yes. <laughs> I, I really think this is... Maybe one of the best constructed episodes of Where Are You that we've seen yet. I'm really excited to talk about it. Yeah, I think it's a really good one. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um. So we're just gonna walk you through we're this episode. Get into it. And we're, we're two best friends. We're here to talk about our favorite meddling kids. And the dumb dog too. I'm Luke. 
That there is Evan. Good day. Oh, I was said good day, mate. Good day, mate. Good day, mate. Let's get into it. All right, oh. We're the Scooby Dudes. No, oh, let's get into it. I thought you were being a peasant from Warcraft Three. Oh, I'm sorry. No. You've never played it. I've never played it. No, I'm sorry. Right, oh. Right, oh. Work, work. I didn't vote for you. I have heard these. Like, yes, my lord. I've heard you do a lot of these. Didn't you know a guy who did the peon voice in Warcraft 3? I would assume that would be you, but I don't know. I think that was you. I thought you knew someone who had like done the... I'm almost po- maybe, maybe. Maybe they were lying to you, and then you lied to me. Probably. I, I, that, that, I, that sounds very likely. Like You were telling me, like, oh, World of Warcraft 3. No, not Warcraft 3. Like There's all these great voices. And I'm like, yeah, I know somebody who does a good peon voice. He does it good. And I thought you meant the guy yeah and i was probably just lying to try and fit in because we were new friends at that point now we're old friends now we're old friends and i don't give a we've been friends for 14 years are we still on the intro <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> so... right. cut it wherever <clears throat> two dudes talking about scooby-doo two dudes just like you unless you're a lady mm, this show is for ladies too if you're lgbtq we are your scooby-doos so in in that little write-up that you did which is one of the my highlights whenever we do these episodes i love these write-ups you call it the boreal north the boreal north woods of canada which i, I... is that what they say in the episode I think they do... No, they just say Northwoods, and I looked up Northwoods, and I kept seeing the word boreal, which is a word that's used in Dark Souls sometimes. Uh, <laughs> so, it, like, it really st- stood out to me, and I'm like, oh, I want to use that in my write-up, even though I sh- don't need to. Um, but it is, like, a very cold... Like, kind of... Uh, I think in, in Canada and Russia are the two main boreal forests in, Amer- in the world. Correct. But I do think it would be quite a bit more north from where we are. I do think that we are in Quebec. Um, and yes, and just, I, I, if I may say, I think they were going to the North Woods initially, and upon a rewatch of the episode, I realized they don't get there. They get sidetracked to the bottomless lake, still in Canada. So they are they are going on a fishing trip, and what happens is um, the road is flooded. Oh yeah, I guess that's right. I'd read it as Fred was just charging straight towards the lake and then took a pivot. Like, it looked like one of those parts where you lower your boat into the water. It did, it did. But they were like, oh, no, the road is flat. And this is just, like, not, like, a paved road. Just, like, a, like mm-hmm. a dirt road. Dirt road. And then he just swerves left to avoid pulling a Michael Scott and driving directly <laughs> into the water. And that that sets off a chain of events to set up what's going on in the back of the van. Shaggy's like, oh, Shaggy or Scooby, we need to practice our casting. So he hangs a fish. So what they do is yeah. they, they boot up an episode. <laughs> an episode. No, sorry. They boot up um, a playthrough. I should have worked on this joke a little bit. Better. Of Red Dead Redemption 2? Actually, I, I was going to... I mean, I tend to go for, like, Overwatch or StarCraft or something. And then they're just like, okay, oh, okay. So, so they've expanded it to their natural. And, uh, I, see, I was going to say, because I both Red Dead Redemption 2 and Far Cry 5 have large fishing components, like, mini-games in the game. Oh, that's what you're talking about. Yeah, I thought that's what you were going to go I for. I was talking about the, the, at, the practice of casting, which is uh, oh. sports casting, but for video games. Gotcha. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. And when Scooby... When Shaggy said casting, my mind actually went to like, all right, let's try filling these roles for specific uh, movie oh, <laughs> characters. Wow, we were all over the place with this. We, we had it from every angle. I was also ready to talk about this fish casting game I had as a kid where it was like a fishing pole but without the pole, like just the handle. You had that in Thailand. I, I remember seeing it in your living room. I like every week I would put another layer of tape on to keep it together because it was falling apart. But it was so good. It had these weights in it that made it really feel like there was something rattling around or there was some really? heft to it. It was really cool. Were you good at it? No. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, man. That was did my pride. Did you try the perfect cast? I did not have the perfect cast, which was something else I no, thought of. Did you try the perfect cast? The tri- well, let me see. What was it? Like 12 o'clock, 5 o'clock. The goofy movie. Uh, that also yeah, came to mind. Listeners, we're putting all our references right here, and then it's going to be a dry recap from here on. Um, but like the thing that got to me is that Shaggy put the fish that he's going to use to practice casting on on the door handle of the back of the van. As as our listeners will realize as we go through this episode, Scooby and Shaggy don't know anything about fishing. I guess that's true. They just want to eat fish, I guess. 
Like I guess, but even at the end, I I question that. They they know that a fishing rod is a device that you use with which you can acquire fish, and that's like yeah, you use it. And you use it like a lasso, as we learned from Scooby. Like, you hold it over your head, and you whip it around <laughs> in a circle. <laughs> um, and then Scooby, here's my question. So Scooby obviously is going to throw that, uh, cast the uh, hook at the fish, catch it around the car door, but the car door doesn't open until Fred swerves, and then Scooby busts out the back. My question is, did Scooby fall out the back because he cast it? Because he, like, hooked the door? Or was he going to fall out the back because Fred swerved, and his cast was the only thing that saved him? I think the latter. Yeah. That seemed to be how it played out, which was a bit of a subversion of expectations. There's a little bit of a gag where Scooby is like water skiing on the water because he has the hook or the rod still attached to the van. But the whole point is um, this little detour abruptly takes them to the American-Canadian border. Mm-hmm. Which I think they, they should have expected anyway because they were going to the North Woods in Canada. But they're like, oh, we're sidetracked. Now we're going to Canada. It's like, yeah, you, you had to get to Canada to get to Canada. So there's a Mountie there, and you also made mention in the intro that there are hella accents. Everybody here has a ultra-French accent. With one exception of one fisherman who I believe is an American who's just hopped the border to fish. Do you, uh, do you have it? Do you have the accent? Do I have the accent? It's a little thicker than they do here. But that's my French accent. <laughs> I didn't put any practice in. But, like, think a Mountie who's a little less extra than that, but somebody said, oh, you have got passed on to the boat. No, I'm too much. Too much now. The, the Mountie, I mean, first of all, he doesn't check their... At this point, you didn't need a passport. I guess it was, like, way more relaxed. It was a mm-hmm. pre-9-11 world. Pre-9-11, yep, as we've said before. We've had a lot of Canada border hopping episodes. But he, like, doesn't ask them anything. He's just, he basically just says, well, you'll have the whole place to yourselves. He says that, and then he does what so many secondary characters do at the beginning of a Scooby-Doo episode, and he says, it's real easy, you can't miss it, right down that way, and he gets the gang lost. I I should also say, in the cold open of this episode, there's a lake and a fish monster comes out, and then that's it. Oh, that's it. There's just like a glowing, uh, some kind of glow underneath the lake. It splits into two, and then it rises out of the water, and it's a fish monster. I think it kind of begs the question. I've been using that term a lot because I like it. I think it makes me sound smart, but I feel like I use it wrong a lot. Well, what question does it beg, and then let's see. I think it begs the question of how, why, why Scooby-Doo monsters act when there's no one around no one around to see which is almost every cold open where very seldom are they scaring someone that they need to be there to scare often it's just standing on a cliff kind of like getting in character like this is their green room moment can you imagine a scooby-doo cold open where a guy is watching the mystery machine from up on like a cliff or something but like his mask is off and he's kind of like ugh. You know, he's like not in character at all. He like puts it on. He's like, uh, 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 no, 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 <clears throat> <clears throat> right. And he like gets a text from his wife, and he's like, oh, what the frick? I gotta take this call. Hey, honey. Yeah, it's like right in the second drawer from the left. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Oh, uh, <laughs> Bye. I was like, oh, okay. He's okay. Like, okay. Put on. Put on. Hey, hey, sweetie. Yeah, daddy will be home soon. Daddy'll be home soon. Okay. And I, I know, I know your birthday is tomorrow. I promise I will be there. Nothing is going to keep me from making it to that party. Yeah. You know, it means a lot to you. All right. I love you. I'll be home. Okay. All right, just once. Catch a falling star and put it in your pocket. <laughs> like, like, I think, you know what? Idea for a very, like, future episode. We create an episode of Scooby-Doo from the monster's perspective. Oh, like, wow. Like, all from start to finish. I think that needs to be done. I'm amazed it hasn't been done yet. Like, at least Be Cool could have done that. That would work really well. Like, I, I know that it breaks down the conceit of Scooby-Doo, which is at least in the first three quarters of the episode the monster could be a real monster Mm -hmm. but it's so rich with potential it's so i I think you can really also do it and still give the gang a lot of screen time and it could be no i i really love that idea it's something that we don't have time to explore right now at the moment yeah we've seen that cold open the gang is getting to bottomless lake where where are we next so as you mentioned they're given very clear directions and they're immediately lost and Mm -hmm. i don't know if that is Oh, if that's a criticism of the people giving directions or on Fred. You know what? You're right. It, it could very easily be Fred because I want to say, like, if everywhere you go, you get lost and you get bad directions, maybe it's you. Like, if there's a jerk in every room you enter, maybe you're the jerk. So 
it, this is the last episode of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? But there is a trend in this episode of Fred telling Scooby, or Fred or Del- Velma or Daphne, telling Scooby and Shaggy to do stuff and them doing it. And this very clear um, separation of the group into these two parts. Uh, kind of a hierarchy. Yeah, now that you mention it. Fred, Daphne, and Velma, I think, are equal explorers of the mystery and arbiters of where we go next. Like, they're all breaking down the clues and picking stuff up. Scooby and Shaggy are not doing a bit of that, which is kind of normal for them. So they're kind of like, okay, we're lost. Scoob, Shag, go ask for, go over to that shack or cabin over there and ask for directions. Mm. And I don't, and I, they're immediately frightened. They are. They yeah, no no reason to be frightened yet. We haven't seen the monster. We haven't heard it. All that we know right now is there's a little bit of flooding. And I, I see why Fred's not super scared. He and Velma are like, oh, that, that's Canadian hospitality. They just love to feed strangers. Literally, they say that. Is that true, Evan? There's probably a big pot of. I mean, I'm very I'm very hospitable. I my immediate thought was well I've got one really close Canadian friend and he does love to feed people like I feel like that's a bit of a Christmas tradition is you making wontons or kind of directing everyone making wontons uh, dumplings yeah. dumplings excuse uh, oh, 100%, me hundred percent I love it um, so pretty true to true to that I just I love the idea of them being like oh they probably have a big pot of stew going for you because they're in Canada and then being in like Pakistan or something and Scooby and Jack you're like no we don't want to knock on like the the door to but, but Scooby and Shaggy, Pakistani people, are very hospitable. And they probably have, like, a big plate of biryani waiting for you. And they're like, mmm, biryani. Mm, we, we like that local food. <laughs> it's, it's good. It's almost like a Scooby snack bargaining. Except you don't even need the Scooby snacks. Um, at which point, as they're walking along to this cabin, the beast... The, they call it a beast. Which I think is weird to me. Beasts, and I guess this is because of Disney, are hairy mammalian creatures. I agree. A fish beast doesn't make sense. You Listeners have probably heard me say fish monster several times already, and that is what it is all throughout my notes, even though I heard them saying beast. Because I agree, beast sounds mammalian. Uh, c- conversely, when you think creature, that's like the creature of the Black Lagoon, then you think more like a claw, oh, yeah. more, more, uh, yeah, more fishy. Yeah, or like the swamp creature. Mm-hmm. It's a clear delineation, which I never thought of before now. And, and here's the thing. This is, I think, is... Not entirely unprecedented, but the beast picks Scooby up by his tail and makes as if to swallow him whole. Way more threatening than we normally get. And I've said before, I don't like Scooby being held up by his tail. I know he's a cartoon character. Scooby can do stuff with his own tail. Other people should not. You've never picked up your dog by its tail? Never. No. Why? I don't have a dog. That's the first reason. Okay, sure. But if I had a dog... Yeah, man, I pick it up by its tail all the f-ing time. I, <laughs> I mean, it. it's, it's just it, it's just a, a little like when God made dogs, He put a little a handle, little on, handle it. on them. Yeah, <laughs> like mama cats will take the baby cat by the nape of the neck. For dogs, yes. it's the tail. Like they it's come up by their tail. An automatic response. They shut down. Um, and that when the monster's following them, it that was the only time in the episode where they had glints drawn on the monster's eyes that looked a little bit like pupils in the corners of the eyes, such that the monster was like, oh boy, rolling its eyes, that whole scene, <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I, I very often put myself in the shoes of the person inside the monster mm. suit. And just like, what am I going to do? I'm going to make as if to eat this dog, but what if... What if the dog does shut down? Like, what if the dog is like, it, when you hold it by its tail, it goes possum, and it just <laughs> what like... What if it faints out of fear? Then do I need to then cram it into my monster mouth what if the dog is into this and it's kind of got like an eating like oh eat me yeah a, a vor fetish yeah that's what i was that, looking that's for. where we want to go with this recap <laughs> or like one of those monsters that's like a giant woman and scooby's like yeah step on me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh man uh but yeah, that is a weird moment there are some weird moments with the monster here but what happens next so they run back and the gang is like what is it they're like oh there's a beast Scooby kind of mimes there being a monster, which is a... I want to say, the worst monster impression I've ever seen Scooby do. All I remember is that ears played a large component. He pulled his ears up into, like, two big, like, side prong things, almost like uh, eyes on stalks. Um, But the monster has no such features. Like, it's a fish head. It doesn't have anything like that. It's just got a gill thing, like, or not... a big fishy monster, like a dorsal fin. Dorsal fin, yeah, running over the back of it. Sorry, Scooby. This one was a miss. And then there's a the whole thing where the gang think that Scooby and Shaggy are just making the monster up. 
Which is like, come on, come on. How? Look, this is the third season of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? <laughs> is there not a precedent for there actually being monsters in the world? We don't see all the episodes. There's many more unaired episodes where Scooby and Shaggy are just effing with the rest of the gang. They're just at like a mall shop or something and there's a monster. We need the prequel series to Scooby-Doo that sets Scooby and Shaggy up as people who for years had been making monsters up. They've been crying, crying uh, wolf for years before these gags happened. I also like that um, there's that little thing where it's like, oh, they're scared of something in a bush. And then they check the bush and it's not, it's clearly not the monster. But it's, Yeah, and what is it, Evan? What is it? To me, it looked like a little chipmunk or squirrel mm-hmm. that was um, trying to put itself through college. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'll say what I saw before you're very intense, and then we'll get to what you incisively interpreted it as. This, this squirrel is like shaking an upright branch with a couple of berries on it. And I'll say this, that squirrel could easily have grabbed those berries without shaking the branch. So this is a little bit dancing, a little bit working around it. It doesn't help that other squirrels are tucking branches into the, <laughs> tucking berries into that squirrel's fur. But yeah, it's like shaking them, and then the, the berries fall down into the mouth of the squirrel. And then the squirrel rubs let's say, south of the belly. <laughs> Just the belly plus a little bit south. You know what? Your theory holds pretty strong. Thank you. It holds a lot of water. Uh, they're, they're driving through town, and as the Mountie said, the place does in fact look deserted. Uh, and this is a fun little um, device, narrative device, that I really liked. I was really impressed with, because they see one of those newspaper stands where you put in a coin and you take a paper out. Mm-hmm. You put in 15 cents, so a few coins necessarily. Way back in the day. Yeah. Uh, and it says uh, there's a Klondike gold heist, millions of dollars of ingots taken. But then they notice, oh, the date on this paper says this is three weeks old. And that, I think, is a very, it's an effective way of communicating information, but also very eerie. Yeah, it communicates a lot of atmosphere. It's, it's a great way of saying... People haven't been refilling this newspaper for three weeks. This place is, like, kind of becoming a ghost town with one line of dialogue that's still tied into something we've seen on screen, so it's not pure spoken exposition. That is really good storytelling, and we also know from the newspaper that old Ned hits pay dirt. Who's pay dirt? I don't know, but, like, old Ned attacked him. (laughs) I think pay dirt is, like, a beloved local man. (laughs) Everyone loves him, and old Ned is just this crotchety old F. Oh, uh, man. So, and then we get approached by maybe my favorite character, Mr. Labu. Can you describe him physically? He looks like a classic lumberjack with, like, the classic lumberjack, like, beard. He's got that orange, uh, like, cap. Uh, um, is it a, like a toque, as the Canadians would say? Like a toque, but without the ball on top, if that's part of a t- traditional toque. He's got a mustache that looks much fancier than the rest of his facial hair. It also looks like it's coming straight out of the nostrils. His name is uh, Chabot Labo. Chavo Lebeau. Which I ran into Google Translate just to make sure mm-hmm. that I my initial translation was accurate. And it once it's um, Horses the Beautiful. Horses the Beautiful. So Chavo is the plural for horse, and La is like the, and then Beau, beautiful. So Horses, yeah. Lebeau, Lebeau is like the beautiful. Yeah, and if I may, or, I think he's, he's a classic 80s handsome outdoorsman. He looks like someone who might be on the cover of a Harlequin romance song. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like uh, some uh, a debutante from New York City marries a wealthy woodsman from Canada, and she has to tame him to a degree, just as he must tame her. Uh, uh, I, okay. Could he's got you, such a smooth voice. Can you try? Can you attempt? Give me a second, uh, Take it all. I won't be needing it. Oh, yeah, nice. This is me, Chevaux Le Beau. It's, a, it's, it's pretty thick. It's a very thick French accent, but I like it. He sounds, it's kind of warm. It's not like my really cartoony, oh, yes, indeed. It's a little bit more like, ah, oh, I, I look up to, like, this guy's kind of a fatherly figure, maybe. It's an in- ancient lit. Uh, I'm just gonna, I, not my strong suit. Just There's wait. an ancient legend of, ancient Pierre Le Beau ancient legend of i'm doing russian uh neither of us are perfect on our french accents there's there's an ancient legend of a glowing eyed creature and he's basically saying that like like, everyone's getting out of here i am also going to leave maybe don't stick around and then the american that you mentioned or i we surmise that he's american because he does not have this heavy 
what I'm going to call a Quebecois accent. Yeah, he's the only one without that. And he's also kind of a jerk, so I think it checks out. Well, he just, all he, he's just, he's here. He wants to catch a pike. He's not going anywhere. Yeah, he demands, he wants some bait from Chabot LeBeau, who very graciously is like, you can have it all, I'm leaving. You're doing a good job. Um, I, I will say <laughs> that for this monster, Mr. Taylor has to be the greatest threat. True. Because 100% Mr. Taylor's packing. (laughs) And we know that the Mountie on the border is not checking for heat. He's not doing a pat down. He's not even doing an ocular pat down. I'm looking at I'm looking at Mr. Taylor right now, and I can like see the X-ray, like the uh, the little colt on the on the ankle. He's got one on the back. He's got one on the hip. He's got one on the chest. One under the pit. A hundred percent. If if the monster, if the beast of bottomless lake ever came across Mr. Taylor, Mr. Taylor would shoot it. It's true. He'd shoot it, and he'd chase it too. He's not just trying to scare it off. He's like, this is a catch. I'm gonna get this fish. Maybe there's a pike in its belly. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. I think Shaggy and Scooby at this point, Shaggy says, oh, we got to get out of here. The faster we service the mystery machine, the faster we're out. So then they go proceed to service the mystery machine. Um, it involves uh, Shaggy inflating the tires, which is... Yeah. I mean, we'll come back on that a little bit later. The inflating was a good, like, when he inflates the tires, no, nothing comes of it. Um, like, he inflates it way over much. You think it's going to explode, but then it just shrinks back down when he goes to do something else. But it's good foreshadowing for some inflating to come. Scooby sprays the Mystery Machine's um, windshield and then uses his tail as a squeegee. Su- yeah, and super satisfying to me. Seeing Scooby, like, make his tail a squeegee and cleanly squeegee it up. Because, you know, it's, like, satisfying to squeegee up. Was really window. nice. That was one of the most satisfying... That's the opposite of Scooby being held by his tail. Like, it's the best use of Scooby's tail. So this normally doesn't happen in an episode of Scooby-Doo, but they realize that they need supplies, provisions. Um, uh, Mr. LeBeau directs them to John, the Johnson, the Johnsons, the Johnson's Family Market, which is abandoned. It's abandoned when they arrive. There's nothing there. Fred's like, let's take what we need and leave the money on the counter. Very, very nice. I think that, to me, is very eerie and scary. The whole, like, oh, there's no one around. Let's just, you know, we'll take what we need. We'll leave money in. But it's empty, you know? It's it's, it's a creepy scenario. Yeah, it's, it sounds it, like the first gas station that you hit on your apocalypse road journey. Like, before you're, like, everyone's dead. When you're still, like, let's leave a little money on the counter. Like, that's the last shred Because you're still, you're still not sure what has actually happened. Yeah, and you haven't acclimated yet to the new world order. You still have that shred of decency, yeah. you know? You're just kind of like... There's an innocence that hasn't been torn away. Yeah, you're like, oh, I don't want to take money out of the mouths of the uh, the family that lives here. And then the family attacks you, and you have to kill them with a baseball bat. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's a different film than we have here. Um, we have a glowing-eyed cat who gives everyone a scare, very briefly. And then uh, a... Well, I'm not going to use that word. Uh, there's there's an attractive young blonde woman who shows up. And they're like, oh, who are you? I thought, I thought the Johnsons had left. And she's like, yeah, we left, but I forgot our cat. And then she goes to try to grab the cat, and it hisses at her, or it, it cowers away. And then Velma's like, hmm. We have a real extended shot of Velma really registering that moment. And let me just say, I mean... It's a cat. Like, it's... it. I think that's not... If you're basing evidence on a cat's reaction to anything, you're you're already on thin ground. Okay, I, no? I'm more basing, I'm basing my reaction off of Velma's reaction. Velma reacted far too long. <laughs> I do think, and significantly. I do think in terms of like, uh, trying to keep the mystery going, there was a little too much time spent on that, hmm, when it could have been just as well done as a brief like, oh, it's just the cat's just not, your dog must have scared it, is what Julie says. Which is fair. Oh, and I'm sorry, one, one thing, one thing I gotta say, I gotta say here real quick. Um, Scooby, when, he, when, uh, Julie says, your dog must have scared her, Scooby says, dog? What dog? Right. Big moment, because just last episode we were talking, does Scooby know he's a dog? And, uh, based on the trivia in the Wikia page for this episode, this is one of the first instances of a running gag where Scooby, when somebody references the dog in the gang, Scooby's like, what dog? And I don't know how I feel about it. I'm not sure either, because earlier when they were trying to get away, like when uh, Chavot LeBeau was saying, I'm going to go away, Scooby's like, well, do you need a dog? And he like fetches him a newspaper, 
which tells me Scooby thinks he's a human who's willing to be a dog to get away. But overall, just like Scooby doesn't necessarily think of himself as a pet. So I'm just going to run through some stuff. They go, they mean to uh, camp by Bottomless Lake. Um, Scooby and Shaggy are like, okay, well, that's a creepy lake. It also looks like the water level is dropping. We're going to try to sleep further away. Can you hear that siren on my end? I did briefly, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, and here, it, it doesn't really line up to me because I think there's safety in numbers. I think j that's the rule of thumb. And sometimes they get around that by showing most of the gang go into a clearly dangerous place. So it makes sense for Scooby and Shaggy to split off just to avoid the dangerous place, kind of weighing that against safety in numbers. Here, I don't think there's anything to weigh against the safety in numbers. Um, there is a very short gag where Scooby is trying to sleep in a sleeping bag and it acts like blinds. Yeah, he rolls himself up in it's, it. It's weird and it's it's padding. It's This little joke doesn't play into anything else. They're just padding out the episode. I, I did like the little follow-up visual gag where when we cut back to Scooby and Shaggy, Scooby's sleeping bag is staked down with like pegs that you would use to nail in a tent. That is good. It's brief. They didn't hang on it, which made me like it more. Everybody wakes up because they hear the sound of thunder. But there's not a cloud in the sky. Mm -hmm. And there is, here's, here's something I noticed, and I thought that you might have as well. Mm. There is a funky score going on at this point in time. Do you want to do you want to listen I, in? I want to listen to it. Uh, there's another part where I really caught the score, but it wasn't this one. Let me see. It seems to be coming from the lake. Let's go. Look. Come on, girls. Are we... Are we 70s cops working the beat? Right? What the heck? Isn't it? <laughs> okay, you know what? I'm going to try and do two things this episode I don't normally do. I'm going to try and grab that music sting, and I'm going to try and grab one other music sting from later on, and I'll point it out to you when it happens. All right. Um, that is bonkers. This, I want to say the score for this whole episode is a level above one of my favorite series for scores already. Like, I love the Where Are You scores. It's really good. So there, there's another sort of little... There's another trend in this episode which is that not only are Scooby and Shaggy told to do other things, but they're often the only two who are ambushed by the monster and chased by the monster. I don't really think that the entire gang is chased by the monster at any point in this episode. I want to say no one except Scooby and Shaggy is chased by the monster this whole episode. If so, it's a brief moment and easy to miss. So they're like, Scoob, Shag, stay here and watch our stuff. We're going to go check it out. And they're like, yeah, don't have to tell us twice. We're going to make some sandwiches. Dagwoods, to be specific. And I like I like seeing a Dagwood that's so well-constructed that you can turn it horizontal. And the pressure, like the construction, there might be some toothpicks in there, but like it's enough to keep it hold. I don't... What I want to see more people do when they construct these like ludicrously tall burgers or sandwiches is I want them to stake it with like a Slim Jim. Ooh, that's... Like, drive it all the way through like a railroad spike. You know what I mean? Yeah, why, I hear you. Why wouldn't you make the steak edible? That's always been I, a pet peeve of mine when it comes to sandwiches with the toothpick on them. I think I don't want a freaking toothpick. I had to really hold back from swearing there <laughs> in, my, in my sandwich. Like, make it edible or don't. I'll take the olive on the side. And, and look, it's just like, look, nobody wants necessarily celery or like a carrot stick. But at the same time, yeah, I get that. wouldn't you still rather have those in your mouth than a sharp pointy piece of wood? Yeah, and, like, if you're going to eat around it anyway, at least eat around something at, like that's not going to kill you if you swallow it. So the monster chases Scooby and Shaggy, uh, and then they let it chase them into a cabin. And this, to me, and I have not hmm. played it, I've only seen a few playthroughs, really reminded me of Dead by Daylight. Dead by Daylight? Oh, no kidding, because they lock the monster in the cabin. They, they vault. I think that's the action in the game. They vault yep, out of the window. It. They close it behind them, and then they close the front door. And it's like, oh, we caught the monster, which I thought, yeah, there's, I, I think that there are a lot, they're not obvious or explicit, but I think that there are a lot of horror tropes in this episode. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of little things like that. We don't quite have the meat hooks that we had in a previous episode to really seal the deal. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but there's a lot of that, and there's a ton of Scooby and Shaggy getting chased around. Um, they do ultimately, I believe, manage to trap the monster in the cabin and give the rest of the gang time to catch up so they can investigate it. So this is another instance of the gang still not seeing the monster. As far as Fred, Velma, and Daphne are concerned, they know there's a mystery because um, LeBeau has told them that there's a monster. Because a perfect stranger has said what their best friends have already told them. Yeah. But that's the extent of their knowledge 
and uh, and like personal awareness of the monster. I didn't realize until we started talking about it the extent to which the monster eschews the other gang entirely. Well, and I, I think solely it, goes after Scooby and Shaggy. It's like a, a lioness. It's finding the weak, the the baby wildebeest. <laughs> In that sense, this is the scariest monster we've seen yet, and how it identifies a weakness. Well, wouldn't you, and, if you were, if you were the monster, isn't that what your strategy would be? It's true, as we've said before. Like Fred is probably someone who runs away just to keep running with the rest of the gang, but it doesn't really make sense for him to be scared. Like I wouldn't be trying to scare him. Like there's a hierarchy, and Scooby and Shaggy are on one end. And Mr. Taylor is on the other. <laughs> That's the real thing. Is he just doesn't want to go anywhere near the monster? Doesn't want to go anywhere near Mr. Taylor. Uh, they go in, um, and they're like, "Oh, the monster's gone." Because yeah, the Scooby and Shaggy are the boy and dog who cried wolf, or uh, beast mm-hmm. in this case. Um, two things happen. Scooby walks over a wet rug. Which is disgusting. I want to say that's the grossest thing gross. we've ever had described to us in a Scooby-Doo episode. The idea of wet rug underfoot. Cause it... And if that's not enough, Scooby holds up his paw and squeezes it like a sponge to like get the water out of it. Which is like, ugh, between his, his, little, his little toe beans. <laughs> um, but it does reveal that underneath this damp rug, this moist mat, there is a trapdoor. <laughs> and also Daphne pops up and she's like, hey, look what I found. Look, I don't know what this stuff is. By the way, it's poop. It's, it's poop. Okay. It's clearly no, poop. Thank you. They call <laughs> it green poop. clay, and I was like, "Oh, that's poop." It looks like some kind of green clay. I think like, yeah, uh, no. like, like goose huh? goose poop is what I thought. Oh, that's exactly what I thought. It's colored like that. Is green... goose poop not green? It is. It is, man. Yeah, we both know. You live in Canada. I live in Minnesota. We've seen our fair share of goose poop. Granted, it's not tube shaped, so but it's clearly been molded. I mean, Daphne's really handling it like she's. <laughs> Like you might handle two metal balls, you move them between your hands, like to help ben- improve. Bengwa balls. Yeah, I sure hope that's what it is and not something else. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, so that's another clue. I think at that point, the rest of the gang goes. To they everybody. all go down. They all go down except Scooby and Shaggy. I There's think Scooby and Shaggy stay up here because they're like, we don't want to go where the monster went. Then the monster appears in there. <laughs> the monster appears the moment the gang goes where he went. He appears where Scooby and Shaggy are. Honestly, I wish that they had played it up even more. To the fact where the gang's kind of like, Scooby and Shaggy, you're making this up. And they get a little bit mad. Why is it never... We keep following it. Yeah. It's... I wish they made it a little bit more explicit, too. But I love it as a low-key gag. The beast tries to, like, smash them. It brings its its arms above its head. Like, it's gonna, like, bring its fists down on well, them. Scooby and Shaggy are sitting on this cot thing that's clearly going to be animated throughout the scene. And then when the monster shows up and they're like standing cowering over it, you're like, this is the moment. The cot is going to be smushed into Scooby and Shaggy's body and the splinters will rocket through them. And that's, well, maybe I had a different expectation. But like, yeah, it's kind of scary. And then, um, again, I, I'm really trying to play up the horror tropes. They run out, they get into the mystery machine, they try to drive away, and the monster oh, dude, this has is nuts. lifted up the mystery machine by the bumper so that the wheels can't get traction on the on the ground let's not forget that by the end of the episode that the villain did that let's not only lifted the rear of a van i think the monster just managed to mentally reach a place where he managed that its monster baby was under that van (laughs) (laughs) and so lifted it the thing that i love is like shaggy's scooby's like and so shaggy's like pumping the acceleration but also pumping the turn signal as if he's trying to get water out of a well you know (laughs) The monster, for some reason, then approaches the side of the van like a cop about to say, is there a problem here, folks? And that allows Scooby and Shaggy to take off. Um, Shaggy does a bad job driving. He drives the Mr. Machine into mud of some sort. Um, and and the, the monster's behind them, and what they do is they find what they call a life raft. Yeah, when it's clearly just like one inflatable thing. Also, I'm going to cut one moment when they're driving in that van. After they manage to drive away, Scooby and Shaggy are laughing incredibly nervously, sweating and shaking hands while Shaggy drives. <laughs> They're doing the, something they've done in the past, which is like really pumping each other's hands, like a couple <laughs> of characters in a black and white movie. Uh, oh, but they that ma- is such a funny visual. I love that so much. They can never do that too much for me, congratulating each other. Uh, but to your point, yeah, they have this little inflatable, almost like a long balloon. A, I just called it an inflatable blob. Which mm-hmm. they do blow up and use to get away from the monster. The monster um, 
manages to swim after them just as quickly as they can paddle, which is quite fast. Really fast, yeah, because they're not going slow. He manages to scratch the back of this thing, popping it, which gives them a lot of fuel, like a really a lot of momentum. And the gang, by the way, at this point is looking on, so they get their first glimpse at the monster. They have exited the tunnel near uh, the lake mm -hmm. uh, shore. At this point, the beast swims down into the lake, and the gang is like, "Well, we have now seen it." Um, there is a sign that has been. A broken sign that has been affixed to this thing that they realize is a, an inflatable pontoon. That's what Fred calls it. I don't know what a pontoon is really, so I take the word for that. Pontoons are, like we'll see later in this episode, these like inflatable things that you put on the side of a, of a, some vessels or... I'm trying to think. There's a certain, there's a certain like seafaring... There's a certain aquatic vessel that has pontoons on either side. Yeah, that's what it makes me think of that. Like, I thought almost a pontoon was a vessel in and of itself. So, um, the sign says KL, but it's broken, so they don't know what the rest of it says. Uh, Mr. Taylor shows up for a very brief moment to loudly berate them for scaring away the pipe, and then he promptly disappears. Yeah, like we see his, his hand itching for the small of his back, like, you guys scared off my fit, but fortunately he manages to go off ahead of time. Um, once again... Fred has directed Scooby and Shaggy to go. They're like they're little they're little surfs, little like um, they're. Uh, oh yeah, they're, they're like the interns in this episode. They really are. They're the interns of the gang. I would believe it if you told me that's what they were supposed to be within the episode. Gophers. Ooh, that's, what they that's are. a good one. That's a really good one. Um, so yeah, he's like, go get all the scuba and, gear we're gonna need. And I do really like the gag where Shaggy's like, I love this gag. It's so okay, funny. Lay it out for us. This is one of my favorites we've ever seen. So he. It's simple, but it's so good. He, Scooby is up on the ladder for some reason, even though he's the one who has four <laughs> yeah. legs. And he's dropping um, scuba stuff down to Shaggy, because that's what they've been directed to get. And it's uh, like, uh, masks? I guess it. Mm -hmm. Flippers. Mm -hmm. Snorkels. Mm -hmm. Tanks. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, simple, effective, very funny just very the, good the thing that sells it is scooby's you're welcome like he sounds so like happy to be helping you're welcome, you're welcome. so obviously the monster takes this opportunity to appear and scare and chase them and here's this they they it appears when they're going to take these scuba tanks and fill them up with air from an air compressor which by the way is not how scuba diving works you need to fill your tank with oxygen not just regular air just compressed air yeah and so the monster appears and they're like oh what are we gonna do let's fill ourselves with air they macy's day parade themselves they're Straight thanksgiving up, day parade balloons there's a clear visual gag that wants us to think of that this is not something evan and i are bringing to the table this is something that was brought to and us i will say to the monster's credit they're extremely frightening yeah it's terrifying i mean like there's a moment where like we see okay they're swelling it's almost like we see them gaining weight in a time lapse and then it's like their faces are swelling it's like okay they've been stung by thousands of bees just a moment they ago start, their bodies get a, a little bit more amorphous they're distending and then Shaggy becomes basically an eight-foot-tall man yeah. floating above the ground. At a certain point, the scale kicks in, and you're like, oh, my God, Shaggy, if you were a woman, stomp on me. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize I was setting myself up for that. <laughs> oh, but And the monster, understandably, is terrified. Um, it runs away. Fred Velma and Daphne show up. They follow the tracks. They just could be Shaggy alone again. Yeah, yet um, again. Chavot shows up, and he's kind of like... He walks like, out oh, of the bushes where the tracks were leading. Pretty suspicious. Chavot, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, well, my uh, my car, car broke, down. broke down a little a mile away, and I, I've just come back to get some gas. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think that's pretty much exactly it. Um, and that's really it. He's not there for almost anything else except like, oh, yeah, use my scuba gear if you want to. Um, I won't stop you guys if this is what you want to do. Fred Feldman and Daphne now donning, having donned Scooby gear, going to the lake. Shaggy and Scooby are not in the lake. They're like, we don't want to dive in and chase the monster, but the moment Fred, Daphne, and Velma dive in the water is the moment. It's like a revolving door that the monster has to jump out. It's like they launch him out by jumping in. <laughs> and and so Scooby and Shaggy, they put on um, Scooby gear, the, Scooby gear, they jump in. Okay, 
we missed doing this in a past episode. I want to do it in this episode. But I wanted them to be walking across the bottom of this lake bed and for one of them to be like, I really enjoy that. I like that too. I think there's a great easy way to pair that with the classic running away slowly like it's a dream underwater. You know, like they're on the ocean floor, Scooby and Shaggy look behind, there's the monster. And the monster's also like slow-mo running after them. That works for me. Um, But they find this weird hatch down there. Yeah, like a drain hatch. And it's I like the way they open it is that Scooby like holds onto it. I think Shaggy like... Throws a rope around him, then yanks it so we Scooby... Like a Beyblade. Like a Beyblade. Yeah, that's the one. Not like a top, like a Beyblade. Let it rip. And here, this is the moment where the music stings for me sounded like a James Bond film. Ooh. It is, it really, it gets dramatic in a way that it typically is not. And I'm gonna, can you hear this? Mm-hmm. Oh. Here it is, the stings. Oh, okay. I, I do think you should try to grab that if possible. I, I am going to try and grab that if possible. It sounds unbelievably oh, spy yeah. movie-esque. Very cool. And I'm pretty sure we've never heard those stings ever before in an episode of Scooby-Doo. I don't think so either. This is an unusual episode. I really like the idea that they threw a lot at their finale. I mean, so already we've they... got a lot of tertiary characters more than is the norm. They make their way down through an airlock of sorts. Fred, Velma, and Daphne are already down there. There are some wooden crates. Velma's like, just, <clears throat> just as I suspect. Like, <laughs> you know what one of my favorite things is, not in the show, but in our show, is your Velma impressions. <laughs> your your snooty, know-it-all Velma is hilarious and on point. Thank you. Just as I thought. <laughs> I can't do it. And by the way, the crates Shit. also have pontoons strapped to them. They do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then the beast shows up again. There is, it's pretty much all downhill in a good way from here. There is a very fun gag where Fred and Scooby are on top of a crate, escaping from the monster atop this crate. And um, the monster leaps on the crate and they go inside of it. Oh, yeah. And the monster's trying to get in and they don't want the monster to get them. And there's this fun little gag where they're swapping, where the the lid of the crate is turning entirely. Ooh, ooh, I'm watching this now. How did I miss this? I didn't see this when we were when I was watching it the first time. Uh, it, but yeah, Scooby and Shaggy are on like the top of the crate. It looks to me like a McDonald's Happy Meal toy that like transforms, like it's got yes. a switching part in it. Uh-huh. Oh man, that is so cool. It's it's very good. At, at, like the top of the crate is on a hinge. It's so mm-hmm. neat. Like a revolve. It's like a revolving door, basically. In that it's. It's turning. a revolving door. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um. So there's that fun we, little gag. We see this all the time with, or if I may, we see this all the time with bookcases in Scooby Doo, yes. where Scooby and Shaggy are on one side, the monster on the other. This is the same thing with a crate. But it, it's more dynamic because they're they're moving and and it's it's horizontal. Oh yeah, it's not vertical. they're moving. They're jetting. They're jetting towards Fred, Daphne, and Velma, who don't know that Scooby and Shaggy are in the crate, because apparently they don't—they aren't paying any attention to Scooby and Shaggy this episode. So they're gonna try and lock the monster in this vault. It is like a large steel, like vault-type door with like um, one of those like uh, hatches that you would turn. Yeah, like a submarine hatch, or I don't know what you call the vault hatch thing. It's there. It's, I want to say like there are a lot of antechambers in this underground facility, or like. Uh, compression, air, whatever. So um, the monster has been knocked out momentarily. They realize that Scooby and Shaggy are in there. And then the monster wakes up. And again, horror movie. It's this enclosed space. It's trying to get at them. They're sort of using the debris of the crate. Or like they're trying to use the crate to keep the monster away from them. And if that's not enough, we have it reinforced with Fred, Daphne, and Velma on the outside of the room being like, oh no, we locked Scooby and Shaggy in with the monster. And then, as if like, if you didn't, the yeah, water then, starts to rise from the floor because the airlock which is, is like, the oh my gosh, now we're going to drown. Now we've got a Titanic scene here. So Scooby and Shaggy don their scuba costumes. They are pushed out into the lake. They get caught in a slipstream of some sort. I don't know if that's what you would call it underwater. I'm not sure, but there's some kind of vacuum, like, everything's being drawn to this tunnel that's ultimately gonna feed out into another river, or like a, uh, a drainage pipe that they're kind of getting sucked into. Shaggy and the Beast are on this crate, Scooby has attached himself to a pike. Outside, 
we can see that there is a little bit of a stream or something, and in it there are two men holding, uh, I guess, like a net in the stream, and they're just like, uh, the, the boss told us that we should be expecting our next shipment soon. Everybody comes up out of this thing, Scooby, Shaggy, with the, with the Beast, and then Fred Velma and Daphne, not wearing scuba gear, also come through. Yep, notable. They were really quick to get back up on land, change out, and drive over. Um, and somehow are able to apprehend both cronies and the beast. It's not really explained how. The, well, Scooby and Shaggy kind of like net the cronies and the beast. Like they all are in a tumble in the net that they were gonna, the cronies were going to use to catch the stuff. They're caught there. But then, as with so many of the wrap-ups, once the Mountie arrives, everyone's just standing around. No one's in cuffs. It's just like the, the criminals are just kind of like kicking dirt. Like, yep, I guess I gotta chill while you guys explain what we did. Well, I, maybe they realize that Mounties are actually trained military special forces. Yeah, so like you're not going to be able to run away on foot. And there's he's going to be able to hop on a horse and get you that way, too. I You know what? I actually don't... I was going to talk about how like Mounties are like just very actually well-trained like soldiers and like but i yeah man i mean i've seen dudley do right like, i know the idea of like glorifying military prowess i don't like the whole thing where it's just like well, yeah our guy i hear the you guys there. who fight for our country are way better at killing than the guys who fight for your country i remember hearing that when it comes to uh, like when we were in high school like regarding israeli special right. forces like it was a long time before it's like you know there's some effed up stuff that's done by some of those people. It was always like, they're so effective. Oh man, they're really effective yeah. at being violent. I'm just realizing what it's like, maybe being good at killing people isn't something necessarily to be proud of. Yeah, or like maybe that's a factor of like an effective military force, but peacekeeping is a much more important factor. Anyway, a few hot takes from the yeah. Scooby Dudes. Yeah, as ever, we're not afraid to say things that should be normal to say. They pull off the mask. And it is Julie Johnson. Although I want to say maybe she's not actually Julie she's Johnson. She's not Julie Johnson. And Velma was tipped off because the cat didn't like her. Yeah. Which I want to say cats don't like humans generally. So come at me, folks. Another hot take from Luke. Um, or not. If they don't like humans, cats are... I, I don't know cats very well. You know what? Okay. Do you remember we did that episode where they, the, the Harem Scarum Sanitarium? Yes, I do remember where this now. There was, there was like a... a a mental hospital and it was also in canada and the mind control dogs correct mm -hmm. do you remember what they were trying to smuggle out in that episode using uh using ambulances it was ambulances smuggling what was supposed to look like bread but was actually gold gold right gold bars and what are we doing in this episode i thought this episode seemed like i knew we'd seen <laughs> i knew we'd seen smuggling across the border as a common theme but I didn't remember it was also gold bars again, because it's obviously that, that hint at the beginning, Klondike gold bars stolen. The Klondike gold bars are exactly what Julie was trying to smuggle over the border. To American, do you think, as an American, that Canada is just gold, like French people in gold bars? Or like that's the main thing you want to smuggle across the border, rather than like, I don't know, like medicine at viable prices, which is what would happen today. Free healthcare. Free healthcare are just like cannabis. So Julie was the villain. Everyone else was innocent. Our fisher, our American fisherman, just wanted to fish. Chavo Labou just wanted to run his business. The episode ends, and and look, this is the last episode of Scooby Doo. Where are you? Which I think is a big deal. It is. Like it's this, the end of one era. Not at all the end of Scooby Doo, but the end of a certain era. This episode, I mean, look, we we mentioned quite early on in this podcast that. There are were many Scooby Doo imitators and many you know like mm -hmm. teens and and weird sidekicks and we're all solving mysteries, but only Scooby Doo has stood the test of time. Yeah, it's it's been malleable enough to be reinvented endlessly, and yet kind of perfect enough in its original incarnation that you don't need to change that much. So, and we can always keep coming back to it. I think you kind of expect this final, the series finale to have a little bit more oomph, maybe a little bit more to it. Well, I mean, we've had other, we covered other series finales from Scooby Doo series that did have a riding off into the sunset type ending. One ended with a wedding between Shaggy's sister and uh, some dude that didn't deserve her. So, like, there's been a lot of dramatic endings for Scooby Doo series. I don't doubt we're in for a dramatic ending when it comes to Thirteen Ghosts and Mystery Incorporated too. So, basically, it's this. 
it's a gag that kind of happens twice in which Scooby has um, placed the beast costume on the end of his hook. He casts it. He pulls it back and it scares himself. And That's the first time. And then yeah. the second time, he drops it into the water and uh, he scares fish up into a bowl that he's yeah he scares him into a bowl like a metal pan- bowl that he's holding and each time i like the metallic like ding ding dong ding, that the fish are making in it and uh my favorite part is that he's like so pleased with himself he's caught a bucket full of fish this is what he came to canada to do and then he empties them back out into the water he's a catch and release fisherman oh i like to eat the fish that i catch i i like fish i like fish a lot but i i do i admire catch and release fishing and I like that Scooby, that's the final moment, really, before the Scooby Dooby Doo of this series is him doing a big catch and release. As if to say, yeah. as if to say, we've we've caught something really magical here, and we could just hang on to it and keep, but we're gonna put it back into the mix. As if to say, is this not the criminal justice system in action? Are we not- <laughs> Is this not a revolving door where we bring them in and let them out? Well, yeah, much were, like a judge did. I mean, obviously, he kept recently. like the slightly darker colored fish Scooby kept, and he's gonna like eat those. But like the other ones have a chance at reforming and becoming better fish. But uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. What? Oh, you're talking about Canadian criminal justice. We've got a slightly different system here in the states. Um, I wanted Scooby to eat the fish like Pingu does. Ooh, like. Chomp, chomp, only the bones left. I love it when Pingu eats fish. That fish looks so good. Dude, I've got maybe some pretty exciting news for you here. Pingu has a 2017 reboot in Japan called Pingu in the City. What? I just found this out last week. Huge, man. Oh. Freaking huge news. I've been dying to see that because I also love Pingu eating fish. I love Pingu, period. Over over Christmas, we'll watch a little bit of it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know one of my favorite things about you is as a co-host? I I don't, but I'm excited to hear it. This sounds so... uh, Compliment time. Yeah, what's up? You're... I think that you're 24 karats solid gold. Thank you, man. That's super sweet. I'm like a big old Klondike bar. 24 karat, that refers to the quality of the gold, not the volume of it, right? Correct. How much gold do you think I am? Like, how much 24 karat gold? How many, how much 24 karat solid gold is Luke? Yeah, like in weight, if you can. An ounce. An ounce. You're Googling, Googling right now, ounce of gold. Please don't, please don't. Don't do that. Oh, dude, I want to know what I'm worth to you. I think this is probably a big compliment, no, no, no. and I want to take it for what it's worth. There's an image that I might have been basing this off of, and I just don't want, maybe, just not on the podcast. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, th- this is... Uh, $1,185.60. So that is... That's a high compliment, dude. Thank you, man. You're welcome. How do you feel about me? I think you are... You are sterling silver, my friend. Okay. All right. How much? A s- solid gram oh, of the stuff. I'm gra- you know a gram is less than an ounce. Uh, I'm not really good with conversion rates. I... Milligram, maybe? No, like no, 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 no. A million grams, yeah, you, yeah. Right. It makes it sound like it's more, but it's actually less. Okay, dude, however much 20 bucks can get me, you are that much sterling silver. $20. Hang on. 20 American dollars, my friend. There we go. 20 American dollars in 1990. Oh. Whoa. That's basically $1,185.60. We're about even. When you first said that, I thought you were about to say I'm 24 years old to you. I'm like, oh, okay. I'll find a way to make that a compliment. That's cool. I just like having a young and nubile (laughs) co-host. You're always, I'm, I'm always afraid I'm going to age out, but I've balded pretty hard just since we've started, so I'm feeling pretty safe. Oh, man. I just think it's so funny that some people, they're trying to live their best lives, they're balling out, but you're balding out. I'm balding out, yeah. I'm balder. I was going to say balder. Ironically, the god of beauty in Norse mythology. Baldur's Gate, a game I, for some reason, haven't played. I, I don't... Baldur's Gate felt weird to me because a lot of it involved just keeping unwanted people out of your neighborhood you were playing baldur's gate keeping evan that's a different it's game the baldur's gated community yeah baldur's gated community uh, like baldur's springs or something like baldur's springs welcoming unison we are here dearly beloved to celebrate the union album from boxer rebellion one of the best albums that a great band came out with why were the boxers rebelling the boxers 
Um, because briefs were getting this way more This is not a play. Chinese band, is it? This is a white band. This is a white band. No, actually, it's a, well, yeah, I mean, it is a white band. I think it's, it's, uh, it's English. We're just here to tell you about the places that you can find us on the internet. That's all we're here to do, listeners. Well, let's see. Listeners, do you know already? Maybe you can save us the trouble? No, we don't know. I can't hear you. We don't you. know, Luke and Evan, we don't know. Our, Tell us. Our listeners are American. It sounds like it. It sounds like they're American, yeah. We probably have a few Canadian listeners. Any Canadian listeners out there as well? Oh, ha, ha, dudes. Sounds do like it. Have, do we have any Australian listeners? No. Oh, I guess not. <laughs> so it was do we have an American any singing. listeners from New Zealand? Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but I like felt the need to like kind of move off camera. Yeah, I like, don't know try why. and move like, myself off camera. You. I know, I didn't even move all the way off camera for that. As if you'd believe it was a New Zealander if I moved off, off screen. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, yes, yes, you've got a couple of New Zealand listeners. New Zealand. I'm sorry. New Zealand listeners, we love you guys. We want more of you guys. So I'm sorry. Listen, if, if you're from New Zealand, go to Twitter. Twitter dot... Oh, go to the British. Twitter.com, please. Uh, Whatever you are. Follow us at these Scooby Dudes if you're from New Zealand. Um, if you if you are from Australia, we could use some more Australian listeners. Fo- uh, check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash Scooby Dudes. Give us a like. It would be pretty bonzer if you did. Yeah, man. Th- throw throw another like on the Bobby, eh, mate? If you are from Germany, no. <laughs> go to ScoobyDudes.com. I like that because it's quick and to the point. I think you were going for that. It's just boom. <laughs> <laughs> There you will find, presented in a very neat and orderly fashion, Ooh, yeah. screenshots that we have captured, show notes for this episode that you've just listened to, and other episodes, as well as title card art, uh, brought to you by Flora, one of our artists. Yeah. Um, if you're Irish, you should sober up and go to iTunes.com to leave us a review. <laughs> Oh, I'm, hey, I'm a part Irish, as all Americans claim to be, as all white Americans are, so I can say that. Uh, but please, go to iTunes.com, or however you get to iTunes reviews, and leave one for us. Make sure it's five stars, and if it is, Evan will read it on air. That, that's it, right? We did iTunes, Twitter, Facebook, our website, Patreon. Patreon. Listen, if you come from The land, China, oh no, sorry. The land, what were you going to say? I was going to say, if you come from the land down under, just again, just to really reiterate, we want, because I said we don't have any Australian listeners. If you come from the land down under, where the women something and the men thunder, um, what is it the women do? I don't remember. Someone plunders. Don't the men plunder? I don't know. Like, that song, I don't know if it's a, like, what it's about, really. Because then it's, then it's, do you hear, do you hear the thunder? Oh, yeah. So they're not going to rhyme thunder twice. Where the women blow and men plunder. Yeah, like I don't know what that is. You know what that is? <laughs> I don't. Know. <laughs> like I see you. So you're just like, where the women? Where the women fly? Women plunder. Like I'm trying to catch something in my mouth right in that moment, All right, where I know what I want to say, but somebody just tossed me a fish because I did a really good job in the circus routine. Um, but no, really, go to Patreon.com, donate to us however much you're comfortable with. It really helps us keep the lights on, because the podcast isn't free to put out there, and we know you appreciate it. Uh, and if you do, we'll say your names as a patron, just like we're going to do right now. And lastly... Editing room Luke here. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Evan. I just needed to cut in to give one very big special thanks to someone who we forgot to thank in the episode. Hence, I'm going back in and cleaning up after us. But uh, we wanted to give a big thanks to someone who I'm embarrassed to have missed because I consider him to be like a brother to me. Uh, Eli, Evan's biological brother, thank you so much for donating to us again. I'm really embarrassed to have missed you because you're like family to me and you're especially like family now that you've joined the Scooby Dudes family where we will never forget you within a week of when an episode aired. It's, It's not even been a full 24 hours from when the episode aired. So you're welcome, Eli. Welcome to a family that cares. And lastly, there is one nationality that we're going to call out. We're putting you on blast. I'm not even sure what this is. I think you do. We were talking about this earlier. You just had a lot to say. Oh, boy. Oh, dude, you aren't going to make me reiterate some of my, my hardcore xenophobia for this nationality, are you? That's right. Let's hear it. 
Well, here, why don't you first... I feel like you're going to counterpoint me, so why don't you get that out first so I can... I, can I just think that these people are actually, in fact, very hardworking. Mm. Very welcoming. And they're very lazy. friendly. No, they're just, they don't like me. I don't like them. Not friendly. Uh, I, I just think that they're... Sure, sure, there's some bad eggs, but that's like anywhere. That's any country. And as a whole, I think the bad I, just, eggs... I, I respect and love the people from this nation. Evan, I think it's you can't... It is wrong for you to try to defend Americans the way that you're defending them. They don't deserve it. They're messed up people. They've got bad politics. They don't... Uh, it's don't, don't do it, Evan. They don't deserve it. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, like, if there's one American, like one person, like, you know, like kind of a Sodom and Gomorrah situation, if you want to be like, if I can find one good American in America. Yeah. Couldn't you think of, like... Who, My girlfriend. Okay, well, there's other Americans, I think. I, like, no, I think it's just her. Just your girlfriend. I've never heard you refer to me as your girlfriend before. That's, that's I never new. have. Okay, well, you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know what to say. <laughs>